Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and we are once again back on our Wednesday series. A little bit of not sure uh, what we're going to do next as far as a series go, Peter, but we did talk about uh, doing topics and and having uh, great conversations on certain topics. And today we've got the great pleasure of welcoming back Jay John to the show. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. We're going to talk about Pentecost today. It's really exciting. I know as our listeners uh, sent in a number of different topics that we could potentially cover, this one I think was going to have a lot of meat to it. And and at the risk of losing all credibility and, and saying that Jay John would be, because I say that so many of our guests are my favorite guest, right? And, yeah. and at some point you, you have, so Jay John is officially my favorite, favorite guest. I'm going to modify that twice at this point yeah, yeah. to put him in an entirely different category. Well, it's interesting who we talk about and who we reference in our discussions. He always comes up. Absolutely. He does. We're always making some reference to something he said. Yeah. I mean, the, the accent, the intellectual acumen, yeah. just, just, the, just the, the, approachability that, that it's annoying. all there it, <laughs> well i mean he's, he's just at a level you and i will never exactly. never exactly. ever experience so yeah. let's welcome him back to the show uh canon j john is an evangelist and author and we're so glad he's joining us today all the way across the pond in the uk j john welcome bill thank you so much peter thank you so much peter are you sure your name is not barnabas <laughs> <laughs> well spotted see that's what i mean the spiritual so he, insight he yeah. can see right into me bill yeah, he he's right us. through me yeah. right through me yeah. indeed yeah so jay john we're so glad to have you back we we had so much fun last time you were on and we learned so much and we're excited to uh learn about pentecost today that's not something we talk about very often but uh we're excited to to learn Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, there was sacred synergy the last time we spoke, and I'm sure there will be as we speak today. I agree. So uh, Peter and I are excited to, uh, to get into this conversation. Uh, where do we start? Well, Pentecost is the birthday of the church, and the term Pentecost comes from the Greek meaning 50th and it refers to the 50th day after Passover. Pentecost in the New Testament is the day that the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is what makes the New Testament the New Testament. Bethlehem was God with us. Calvary was God for us, and Pentecost is God in us. Pentecost is a celebration of God's desire to empower us and dwell within us. And the Apostle John, he called the Holy Spirit the advocate, the counselor, the helper. And during Jesus's three years of ministry on earth, he was the advocate, the counselor and the helper to his disciples. But as Jesus's crucifixion drew near, 
he assured them. And we read this in John chapter 14, verse 16. I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. And it was in expectation of this promise that the disciples were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, we do not need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He came on the day of Pentecost and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. That is the best news ever. Now, J. John, let me ask, is Pentecost also a Greek name for a festival in the Old Testament known as the Feast of Weeks? Yes, it is. Okay, then I Absolutely. did my homework. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my study paid off. It did, indeed, yes. 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 And the the no, precursor, that... yeah, tell us a bit about the precursor in the Old Testament, because I think to understand things that are happening with the new, there is so much prefiguring that happens in the Old Testament. And, and so I think we can understand a little bit more about Acts chapter 2, and we understand some of its history. I know. I mean, that's what I like about so much uh, about the, the New Testament, is that it's linked in so much. Uh, into the Old Testament and um, and and the prophecies and I mean one of the ones that really just excites me most is you know you've got the Old Testament then you've got you know Old Testament Genesis to um, uh, and and then to Malachi then you've got uh, this gap between Malachi and Matthew and then you've got Matthew to Revelation and the thing that impacted me when I was an agnostic as a student in London was when I discovered that there were 322 messianic prophecies written in the Old Testament over thousands of years. And these 322 messianic prophecies tell you where Jesus is going to be born, how he's going to be born, how he's going to grow up, what he's going to say, how he's going to say it. Do you know what the mathematical compound probability is of 322 prophecies being fulfilled in one man at one moment in time? It's one over 84 with 100 zeros. In other words, it doesn't wow. happen every day. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. You know, you know there's just so many great things when you, it's all rooted, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming, everything is rooted in the Old Testament. And oh, the thing I like about um, the New Testament, particularly, oh, well, both the Old and the New, when it comes to Pentecost, is that we have a number of different images of the Holy Spirit, which I think helps us understand the work of the spirit in people's lives and i'd love to highlight those images that would be wonderful yeah because i think that the holy spirit is is an often very misunderstood member of the trinity i remember when i was in my seminary classes and and my theology professor loved to say that if you if you study a proper systematic theology textbook they tend to have a pretty big section on god the father and then there's this gigantic section on Jesus the Son, and then there's this itty bitty section right at the end <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, sort of tossed in. And and so I would love to just some of your insights to get us started in that direction. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, I, I'd love to highlight I, five images of the Holy Spirit. The first one is wind. A divine wind was present at the creation of the universe. Genesis 2 verse 7, God's breath brought life to Adam. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And at Pentecost, we read in Acts 2, verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. There, then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Wind speaks of the invigorating power of the Spirit of God. And, and I do like that image. You know, sometimes you're in your home you might be in, you know, I might be in my little study and it gets a bit stuffy, doesn't it? And then what do you do? I open a window and I let the air in. And I think sometimes the church needs to open a window and let the breath of God in. And I think we need to welcome in uh, the breath of God, the wind of God into our lives. I love that. Yeah, I... And- you mentioned a phrase in that, uh, just kind of talking us through that, about the idea of being filled with the Spirit. And as we're staying kind of within this wind imagery, if you wouldn't mind, is there sort of a difference between <clears throat> perhaps a, a one-time filling for a specific purpose that we see in the book of Acts versus just sort of being indwelt by the Spirit on a general basis? I don't know if that question makes sense, but I think some people look for a Spirit filling, while at the same time there is the language that the Spirit is dwelling among us at all times. Okay, yeah, great question. Okay, uh, okay. The the analogy that I like that I have personally found so helpful is when we go back to Revelation chapter three, verse twenty. That beautiful picture of Jesus standing outside of a door, uh, knocking on the door of a house, and and the words are, "If you Jesus knocking, if you hear the knock, open the door, let me in." Now. I invited Jesus into my life, into my house, on the 9th of February, 1975. Now, when you invite him in, of course, he comes in by his Holy Spirit. But where does he go? (laughs) Where is he? I, I think that he's in our lives, but not necessarily in all of our lives. He comes in. Yes, he's resident, but is he president? And I think it's easy to say I, God's in me, he's resident, but is he president? In other words, I think it's a whole lifetime of discovery. I've got to take him down to the basement to clear out the cobwebs. I've got to take him up into the attic to clear out the bats. I've got to open the sitting room, the dining room, the bedroom, the kitchen. So I, I, I think that analogy to me 
I find personally helpful. It's a whole ongoing experience that as I get rid of darkness, it will fill more with his light and presence. Hmm. Yeah, I think that in, do you sort of know when the spirit is beginning to sort of interact with you? And, and how would you even describe that? Because I, I know a lot of people are wondering about in my classes anyway, my, my students are saying, so how do I know when it's the voice of God? How do I know when the spirit is interacting in my life versus discerning something else going on? Maybe my own thoughts, that, thoughts from somewhere else. Is there ways to discern that in terms of knowing the spirit is moving? Well, a number of things. I Obviously, when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, uh, we're told uh, in Galatians that the Holy Spirit will produce in you, through you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So if you've been following Jesus for a while and, you, and you're lacking the fruit of the Spirit, you're lacking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, then I think there's a blockage somewhere. Because when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you will produce this fruit. You will. Um, and therefore, you've got to kind of discern either yourself or with the help of others, where are the blockages? Where do I need to make some kind of adjustments? Or maybe, you know, I've admitted to Jesus, but um, I haven't submitted. Mm. And maybe that is a key question there. Have I allowed Jesus's reign and rule over my life? Boy, that gets us off to a great start. Our guest is Canon J. John. We'll take a little break. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are continuing our series, and we're talking about Pentecost. Be right back. We're so glad, Dr. Peter Kapsner and I, to be uh, hosting J. John today on the program. We're excited about uh, his topic, which is Pentecost, and he's given us he's going, be, he's going to be giving us five images. The first one we just covered was wind, and I have a feeling the next one is going to be fire. J. John, yes. let's uh, let's start with fire. Let's go with fire, Bill. Thank you. Well, God was referred to as a consuming fire in Daniel 4 verse 24 and Isaiah 33 verse 14. And in the New Testament, Jesus speaks of his mission on earth by saying, I have come to bring fire on the earth. That's in Luke 12 verse 49. And John the Baptist said of Jesus in Luke 3 verse 16, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshold area, 
gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. John was saying that the fire of God's spirit would purify the believers and the fire of God's judgment would come to the unbelievers. A healing experience for those of us who are believers and a warning to those who are unbelievers. So at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, we read in Acts 2 verse 3, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. At Pentecost, the Spirit ignites the fire Jesus came to kindle. And in Acts 1 verse 8, we read, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, the light of the world, becomes the disciples' own inner light and they become living flames going out into a world to spread the good news of Jesus. With that uh, imagery, too, I've heard it said that uh, with, with God being often described as a being that is symbolized by fire or, you know, the burning bush, the fire appearing to Moses and so many different times in the Old Testament as a fire leading the Israelites. Uh, was there a sense in which this gets tied into when the veil in the temple was torn in two and the presence of God that was sort of hidden behind this veil, only accessible to one person, the high priest, once a year. Now that that's been torn in two, God's presence sort of explodes among his people and individually and corporately, now the fire of God is among them. Oh, that was so, goodness, that is so well put and so well illustrated. Absolutely. I, I like the, the way that you expressed how the curtain was torn in two and, and then this like almost like explosion. You're, you're right. It's, it's like a release of the power of the presence of God, definitely. Um, and, and, and I've seen that. I, I, I've personally experienced it, and I, I've actually seen it um, when we've been preaching the gospel. Um, you've sensed, uh, we've sensed it, his presence, his power, the work of the fire of the Holy Spirit, definitely. Jay John, I love that description. And Peter, that was a brilliant comment. So thank you for that. I would love to uh, continue uh, with the third image. Absolutely. The third image is water. The imagery of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit being poured out like water is found throughout the Bible. So we read in Isaiah 44 verse 3, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields and will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. And in Psalm 42 verse 1 we read, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God, I thirst for God the living God. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well 
in John chapter four. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Only the Holy Spirit can quench our inner thirst because only the Holy Spirit can fill us with God's love. And we read that in Romans 5 verse 5. And I, I just love that. I love these images. I'm a very picture person. So for me, it, it helps me understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we might need the wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe in life and in, um, invigorate us. Or actually, we may not welcome the fire of the Holy Spirit, but we may need the fire of the Holy Spirit to cleanse us and to purify us. But then other times we feel very thirsty and we need, we need the water of God's Holy Spirit to well up within us as it did with the Samaritan woman. Yeah, such powerful images. And you are making these images uh, so descriptively alive in, in my head right now, which I just so appreciate. Because we can talk about wind and fire and water, but J. John, you're doing really a masterful job of painting these pictures and making it very alive. Yeah, the Spirit feels accessible, and you know, yeah. not just this being somewhere out in the heavens, but somehow accessible to us in a variety of ways, all the same Spirit, but boy, we do interact with God in different ways and different seasons in life. Yeah, I, I definitely, and I, and I think sometimes we, uh, church leaders, pastors, teachers, you know, we might say, oh, Pentecost, come Holy Spirit, and, and sometimes we we don't help people access the truth of that. And, and that's why I, I have found using images like this makes it very easy for anyone, whether even a child to understand it, uh, let alone an adult. Yeah, that's really, really wonderful. All right. I think we will take a little break. We are talking to Canon J. John. And if you go to canonjjohn.com. You can learn more about him. Uh, C-A-N-O-N-J-J-O-H-N.com. Canon J. John. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are talking to him about Pentecost, and we're going to come back. We've got a couple more images to talk about from that historic event, and we'll be right back. Show with Bill Arno, drive time, drive time, the 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Not that I have to tell you, but it is Wednesday, and on Wednesday, Dr. Peter Kapsner and I always have something interesting going, and today our guest is Jay John, and you can go to canonjjohn.com to learn more about him, and we are talking about Pentecost, and he's got five specific images he's going to give us. So far, we've got wind, we've got fire, we've got water, and we don't know where you're going next, Jay John. Yeah, you've burned through the three that I would have guessed, and I'm (laughs) with bated breath right now with four and five are, so... Yeah, that's that's good. I've intrigued you. Yes, you, okay. have, you have indeed. Number, number four is oil. Oil and Duh. the Holy Spirit <laughs> are associated in the Bible, as in one Samuel sixteen verse thirteen, and we read Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. The anointing with oil is instructed by James for healing in James 5 verse 14. The disciples also anointed sick people with oil for healing in Mark 6 verse 13. And in Acts 10 verse 38, we read, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra for Christians. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, we read, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The new covenant means that it is impossible to enter it apart from the spirit. Any new birth is impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, I, I, I love that other image of the oil of the Holy Spirit. And, and some uh, of our people in our churches, you know, they may not need the wind or the fire. They may not need the water, but they need the, the, the oil of the Holy Spirit. They may need the, the healing balm of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I, I frequently encourage people uh, to, to pray uh, for the healing balm of Jesus. And uh, I'll tell you one interesting story that's just come to my mind, that this um, professor who was at my church, he came up to me and, and he said, oh, J. John, he said, um, um, I've just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. He said, "You go, please pray for me. Please pray for me. And I said, yes, I, I mean, I will pray for you. But I said, listen, you know what I'd like you to do? I said, we're going to have Holy Communion today. We're going to break bread. I said, when you take the bread and the wine, I said, receive it. Receive it 
as a healing sacrament. And he said, oh, what do you mean? And I said, well, look, Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for our salvation. He died for our deliverance and he died for our healing. So I said to him, just, just receive it and say, Jesus, I receive what you did on the cross for me. And I just articulate, express to you that by your stripes, I've been healed. So he said, okay, okay. He comes up to me six weeks later. He says, J. John, I don't know what's happened. I don't know whether I've been misdiagnosed or what, but I haven't got any cancer in my body. It's amazing. I, I love those stories. I do too. I, and, and it just does call to mind that they did often anoint people with oil for a variety of reasons in the New Testament. Is, is that a practice that uh, you've described it being used today, but is that something that that can become a regular life for the believer? And we're not looking for always miraculous healings. I get it. But but what are, we, what are we talking about the role of the anointing of oil in our sort of ongoing lives? Yes. Well, I, and I think, I think the point I'm, I want to make is so often we accept the message of the Bible, but we don't always accept the method of the Bible. Mm. And, and I think there is some methodology in the Bible. And if we accept the message, why don't we accept some of the methodology? And I look, we live in this world of miracle and mystery. And we've, you know, we've just got to trust God, but we're channels of his grace to people. And so I will always encourage people um, if they are sick, um, to get elders of the church to pray for them and anoint them with oil but interestingly there's a there's something that needs to be done prior to that and it says confess your sins to one another now that's something we don't do normally i I think when you talk about the method like that and and it is something that we can learn from the practices of the early church, of the way Paul was describing life together. And one of the practices we've done as a family from time to time is is at the time of our birthday, and we've got five kids at home, is that we always take a little time with whoever the family member is to anoint their head with oil so that their thoughts would be guarded in the year ahead and guided in the year ahead, and the work of their hands would be guarded and guided in, in, in the year ahead. And, and those kinds of things can really matter in our lives. God oh. works through these physical expressions so often, and I think we underestimate them. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you do that. I do the same. I do the same. And um, I always carry a little bottle of oil with me. Um, I'm always ready. I'm always prepared. And and, uh, God uses symbols and, you know, the power of symbolism. And uh, and I think there's always an effect in using it. I I do. So, J. John, when I think of this gift of the Holy Spirit, that God's very life and breath and, and energy live in believers. And you cannot have this born-again experience without the work of the Holy Spirit. It's just, a, again, a wonderful yeah, absolutely. reminder. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, uh, you, must, you must be born again. Um, th- there's no other way. And what's amazing is when you when we open that door and we let Jesus in to our lives by his Holy Spirit, this is the most incredible thing. The same Holy Spirit 
that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So we've been empowered. Hence, you know, um, I read earlier on about the Great Commission. The first disciples of Jesus were empowered to be witnesses. And likewise, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're empowered, we're energized, we're strengthened. Um, and I, 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 I think we need more of that because I think often, sadly, we appear to be a little bit feeble and fearful. I mean, by my count, uh, Bill, I think we have one more image left to go, and 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 oil surprised me. Do you? We have any guesses on what number five is at this point? Um, I don't have a guess right now. I don't have a guess either. Yeah. Okay, you ready? You ready for it? Oh, no, we're ready. Right. So we've done. Number one is wind. Number two is fire. Number three is water. Number four is oil, and number five is the dove. Of course. Did you know? Mm. Did you know? that the dove is the only bird without a gallbladder. Of course I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. Well, I'm not I, even sure I what a gallbladder that. does. Yeah, yeah but well, you, I know no, your, your well, biology background yeah. helps a ton. So uh, just a little bit of information there. It's the only bird that does not store toxins. Really? At <laughs> Jesus's baptism... John the Baptist said, we read this in John 1, verse 32, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And it is he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The dove symbolizes the peace and the purity of God's spirit. Uh, you know, we profess in the creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think the challenge is, do we? Interestingly, uh, th there are three do nots in the New Testament. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians 4.30. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5. 19 do not resist the holy spirit that's in acts 7 51 so i think that there's a challenge there for us all to welcome the holy spirit and to welcome the work of the holy spirit and and i think the dove of the holy spirit you know sing signifies that purity um that peace and some of us and some people now who are listening, they might say, hey, actually, out of these five images, I, I, I need the peace of God in my life at the moment. I, maybe you're anxious about something and you need the peace of God. Um, so our encouragement picking up on the New Testament is what we need to do is to say, come, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to grieve you. I'm not going to quench you. I love that. And I also was thinking, J. John, of the first chapter of Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of my, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Mm. Amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. I know. I think sometimes, though, do you not feel that, you know, we sometimes might know these scriptures, we sometimes might know um, these truths, but it's kind of head and heart, and we, um, we kind of need both. You know, we love God, of course, with all of our mind and our heart and our will. Um, and, it, and, it, and I think we, we do need, I, I sense ac- across this side of the pond, we, we need a new outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon us. I think sadly, in many parts of the world, you know, the church is sleeping. All right, we'll take a little break. You know, usually, Peter, I, I will sometimes say, hey, I forgot how much I like this person, but I never forgot how much I like this I person. No, no, I is that, this is yeah, very consistent with what yeah, we felt in real life. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah, J. John uh, is our guest. Canonjjohn.com is his website. You can go learn more about him. We'll take a short break and be right back. We are back with Canon J. John. Go to canonjjohn.com, learn more about him. J. John, Peter said something during the break. He said, sometimes I wonder if I'm in relationship to ideas about God versus being in relationship with him. Very insightful. I think so, too. Sometimes that is that can be true. Um, you know, we can know about, like, if you said to me, do I know the Queen of England. Uh, no, I don't personally know the Queen of England. Do I know about her? Yes, I do. I know a lot about her. And, and in a similar way, I think sometimes we can know about God and yet not necessarily know him. I think, yes, that's true. Well, and you just referenced before the break too, J. John, the idea that the church was sleeping. And, and I think we're increasingly watching things fall asleep on this side of the pond as well. And when you start talking about a potential corrective for that and, and now pulling these five images together that you've been talking about through this hour, uh, of what would it be like to be a part of a community of people in which the wind is blowing and, and the oil is healing and uh, the water is sort of calming and, and, and bringing that presence in and, and the fire is burning and, and there's this dove among us. It, it seems to me that this would be at least a starting point or a foundation stone because we would somehow revisit the initial church about how they did life together if that's what was happening among us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if all of this was happening, the, the church would be flourishing. Uh, there will be a, a fruitfulness in the church. And I, I think so often in the church, we're always looking back rather than looking forwards. Um, there was a missionary organization that had been in existence for 100 years and they were having um, a celebratory service um, and they had an eminent bishop to come and, and um, uh, preach and pray. And they, after he finished preaching, they had 100 doves <laughs> and uh, they going to release all the 100 doves as a, symbolic gesture of a hundred years in missionary ministry so they gave the bishop one of the doves to hold in his hand to pray 
and then released that dove and then they would release the other 99 doves. So he was holding the dove praying and he was going, Father God, we thank you for this missionary organization. We thank you for the founders. We thank you that they did this. We thank you that they did that. We thank you. that." And he went on like this and we release your doves and the dove fell to the floor dead. He strangled it. <laughs> and I, I think sometimes that happens. We're so caught up with what we have achieved, the past, the past, the past. Whereas, look, look forwards, look forwards. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I was in church and um, with my wife, Killy, and... Um, the they were giving out some notices in church and they said oh i'm sorry to bring this up again uh, but we really do need um more people to help to serve the coffee and i got slightly annoyed i thought this is awful <laughs> why would they mention that publicly you know we've got visitors and they don't want to know about the coffee why are they doing this anyway i was thinking this and then i just felt like boom, in my stomach i want you to serve the coffee so i looked behind me because i thought oh maybe that was god speaking but i got in the way of someone behind me, but God really <laughs> wanted to speak to the person behind me. <laughs> but I, I just, I just had this feeling. Anyway, the service finished, and I said to my wife, Kelly, I, I think God wants you and me to serve coffee. So she says, "What you mean? God wants you to serve coffee?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm, I, said, I said I'm not going to do it on my own." Anyway, so we we both go up to sign up to serve coffee, and I went up to the lady to say oh my we're going to serve coffee and she started laughing she says you can't serve coffee she says you're hardly here and um i said no 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 i said i want to serve coffee i felt god's prompting i said listen i you know i'm traveling around a lot but i'm always at church once a month so i'll serve coffee once a month now you're wondering why am i telling you this story so once a month my wife and I would have to arrive early with the rest of the coffee team to get ready to serve coffee to hundreds of the people. I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit in a tangible way serving coffee. <laughs> so I want to kind of make the point that it's not just me getting up and preaching when I'm going to feel the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it's about serving and seeking. Mm. And if we're happy to serve coffee, the Holy Spirit will come. Jay John, maybe you just answered my question, because I was going to ask you if someone wanted to take some tentative steps to engage with God's Spirit, what does that look like? And maybe you just answered it by signing up to serve coffee. I know it, it, it's not it's not about being on stage. It's not about leading worship. It's not about preaching. It's it's a, having a servant heart, humbly coming to the Lord and saying, here I am, Lord, here I am. Fill me, fill me with your grace, fill me with your strength, fill me with your wisdom, fill me with your spirit. You know, I'm, I'm if you want me to serve coffee. I'll serve coffee. 
When I look at Pentecost, J. John, and I think of the similarity to the Last Supper, there was a gathering in a house for what was pretty significant events. At the Last Supper, there was Jesus's earthly ministry kind of coming to an end and asking them to remember him after his death. And then at Pentecost, there was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to believers. And it's, I just find it interesting that both happened in a similar fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, there's the personal touch there, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and, and there is the personal touch. And, but I love the thing is, you know, Jesus says, hey, boys, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. And um, and they're like, no, no, don't go. Don't go. <laughs> Please don't go. And he said, no, 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 it's better. And they're like, what do you mean it's better? He says, because, look, I can only be in one place at any one time in body, human form. But if I go to heaven, I will outpour my spirit and my spirit will live in each of my children so wherever you go wherever you are i'm with you i mean how good is that (laughs) (laughs) i mean isn't it wherever i go the the holy spirit is with me that's why for example when we read the bible you know uh we're reading the bible that's the only book we can read along with the author that's a thought, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. is. That is a thought, indeed. Yes. Yeah, sorry to, to cut in on that. I was You were just, when you were talking about Jesus' present being with us, I was just thinking about the Gospel of John when Jesus says that you will do the same things as me and behold, yea, even greater things. Is this part of what he means is that he is only in one place at one time, but we indwell by the Spirit. Uh, there's so many of us in so many places at one time. Yeah, well, well that, look, I'm a carrier. I'm a carrier of the presence of of the lord wherever i go you know and i'm 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 always reminding myself of that you know if i go into a prison i carry the presence of the lord if i go into the hospital i'm carrying the presence of the lord if i'm debating in a university i'm carrying the presence of the lord he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world and you know i'll tell you my next door neighbor uh, n- not a believer but she calls my wife and I um the neighbors from heaven which is very <laughs> nice well it's a good job which she doesn't call us the neighbors from the other side <laughs> anyway so my next door neighbor had a stroke and as a consequence of the stroke she fell into a coma and uh, her daughter came and said to us, oh, they just seen the doctors in the hospital and the doctor said she's brain dead and she's on a life support machine. And we've decided that after five days, we're gonna switch off the machine. And uh, so she dies. And uh, so I said to the daughter, would you mind if my wife and I visited your mother before you switched off the machine? And she said, oh, my mother would so, she was so fond of you. That would be a lovely thing for you to do. Remember, these are all non-Christians. So anyway, the only day I could go because of my schedule was the fifth day. So my wife and I go, we walk into her room in the hospital and uh, I start speaking to her. And I said, hello, Joyce. I said, it's the neighbors from heaven. 
And uh, so all I was going to do was to anoint her with oil and pray a prayer over her. But I, before I did that, I said, now, Joyce, what we're going to do, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. So I took hold of her hand. I mean, she had tubes everywhere. I held my wife's hand, Killy. Killy held her other hand. And I said, Joyce, I'm talking to her. Joyce, we're going to start praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And when we said your kingdom come, she woke up. She's still alive. Oh, my. Wow. Wow. When I came back and told her husband, I told her husband, she woke up. He goes, no, she didn't. I said, well, she did. He goes, no, she didn't. She's brain dead. I said, well, she did. Anyway, it didn't really matter because she came back 10 days later and she's still alive. Wow. Now, look, how does all that work out? Well, listen. I didn't go there to pray she comes back to life because they told me she was brain dead. I just went to pray the Lord's Prayer, to anoint her with oil, and just entrust her to God. Yeah. Jay John, once again, we have just loved our time with you. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. Listen, Bill, Peter, always a joy to talk with you both. Thank you for having me on the program. You bet. That wraps up our show. Thank you for uh, listening and supporting Faith Radio. You're the best. Our guest has been Jay John. You can go to canonjjohn.com. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.